Amen. God's doing great things here. Get ready. Get ready. God's going to do some awesome things this morning. Amen. Genesis 1 and 2 says this. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then going to Revelation, if you literally turn to the other end of your Bible. Revelation 22 and 20. Says this, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray just for a second. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask you to move. We ask you to come and to move. We just thank you, Lord, that you are the living God and that you love your people and you loved us enough to come. We just ask you to bless, Lord God, this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Just so you know, too, real quick, we um, last week had a uh, special speaker uh, Pastor John Vandekirk, did you all, who came and enjoyed that? Amen. Was that pretty awesome? Amen. Um, he gave me a word from the Lord and said that we need to start doing that kind of service every week. And um, we've got small groups in this church, so there's no good night to have it. Just real honest. There's always a small group going on somewhere. Um, and so... I have made a decision that the only time we don't have something going on in the gym that's our function is Wednesday nights. And so starting this week, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock for one hour, we're going to have a very tight service. Prayer, maybe a little word, and then spiritual ministry. So if you want to come, you're welcome to. Midweek services are never mandatory here. Um... Then again, Sunday is not mandatory. You can do what you want. I am not going to come to your house and get you out of bed, just so you know. Um, though I will pray an angel come and do that for me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but you are welcome to come. And if you can't, if you've got a small group on Wednesday night and everything, again, this is cool, no stress. But this is an opportunity for those that may want to go a little deeper, allow for God's ministry um, on a more regular basis to move then that is available to you, okay? So for the last several weeks here, I've been just teaching and really laying foundations. I have been trying to just establish us upon a firm ground for all the future things that God wants to do for us. That is taken, literally, God spoke to me in... Um, in December, I was going to preach a really fun series in January that was going to be like, woo, fun, and we were going to have a great time with it, and the Lord said, no, you're going to teach this. I said, but that's so boring. He said, teach it anyway. What's cool is that God's word is never boring, but, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you, you have like a message you've been wanting to preach for like, I've had the same message I've wanted to preach for like 10 years for Easter, and God won't let me preach it yet. Every year, I'm like, Lord, really? Can I, can I preach it now? He's like, preach this. I'm like, okay. So now you know the struggle of my life. Um, 
But the thing is this, we've been preaching and talking and teaching since January about very foundational things. Today, though, there's a shift happening. What's awesome about this is that it's not just simply me who's feeling it. I've had this confirmed by two different people in the last hour who've said, today's the day. And so today, I just, I want to come to you, and, and I just want to say this, just jump in. Don't, don't think about it too, too much. Um, I mean, don't, don't question too much. What do you feel? What is God saying? What is God doing? Step into that. And if you do that, then God can move past every obstacle and take you places that you could never, ever go without him. Today, I come to you posing just one question. Is this church, New Life Church of Canton, is this church going to be a monument or a movement? Is New Life going to be a monument or a movement? The choice, my brothers and sisters, my family and friends, is ours. A monument is defined as a building, a statue, etc., that honors a person or an event. Or, number two, a building or a place that is important because of when it was built or because of something in history that happened there. Today we could drive about five hours south east from here and arrive at the National Mall in Washington, D.C. The centerpiece of the National Mall is the reflective pool. But on its two poles, on its two ends, stand the primary attractions of Washington's National Park, National Mall. And that is the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. They, when you go there, are incredibly massive, very breathtaking. The, the pictures alone make you just stand in awe of what these things look like. One spires to the heavens. The other, the man who led us through a civil war, sits upon literally a throne. And between them is a reflective pool that is still as still can be to bring to people who visit the concept that this should be a place of rest, a place of consideration, of things that have happened in the past. This still and quiet reminder of the achievements of the past stand as a, as a centerpiece of our national capital. Though that is true, those things that are there, they have no real effect other than what they were and what they allowed for us to live in now. But those monuments of freedom, those monuments of leadership, 
Those monuments of, of key moments and players in the history of our great country. Their continued effect is completely dependent on how much we enact the freedoms that they brought us to our lives every day. This still, quiet place is not like the church. The church of the living God, from the prophets of old to the apostles of the New Testament, to the new believers in this house that were born again in the last few weeks, to our most mature, powerful missionaries that are preaching around this world and bringing the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ to other nations that do not know. From those early moments of prophetic utterances to the very moment we live in right now where God is speaking to the nations and the people of the world, God's church is on the move. The church is on the move because we serve a God on the move. The church is not to ever be still. We are never to simply be a place that we remember what God used to do. The church was never intended to be a place that was just simply a, a location that we would come and just recite a few poems and recite a few concepts and hear some nice little thoughts and then go out our merry way and not be changed. And yet, that is church for so many. The churches of Europe today, centers of revival, centers of transformation, literally centers of, of cultural change that has shaped the world from the last 2,000 years are dead. Tourist attractions, monuments of great moves of God in the past, but now simply empty shells. Today, if you go to Europe, you can pay your $30 and go see monuments built to God's activities of the past. They'll take you through a full tour, show you all the artwork, all the priceless artifacts, all the incredible architecture. You can see it all for $30. I was talking with with Steve and Nancy Lambert about how when they were in Europe for a, a Harley um, reward trip when he was managing the store there, that they went to St. Stephen's Cathedral in Vienna, Switzerland. They said that literally there were hundreds of people on tour being taken from room to room, from, from spectacle to spectacle, seeing the incredible history and artifacts that were there. And they were all just there, just as tourists, just looking at the things that were collected. But there was just a handful of those that actually came to worship. Just a handful. 
Every great move of God throughout history was birthed in the catacombs by a few committed souls and died behind stained glass windows among the masses. This church, New Life Church, is going to be a monument to the past or a move of God today. The choice is ours. We choose what we will see. We choose what we will do because, folks, the reality is those churches in Europe at one time were vibrant congregations filled with the presence and purpose of God. They understood why they existed because they were founded by apostles, men of God who devoted their lives to serving the king of glory. These men in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 Scripture says, and this is not even the apostles who said it, this is their adversaries. This is the pagans that are saying about them, these people have come to our city who have turned the world upside down. That is the foundation of those churches in Europe. That is our foundation. But see, Christianity in its infancy spread like wildfire through Europe and through Asia, and through Africa, literally transforming that whole region. It got to the point that, that literally the, the reigning emperor over Rome became a Christian. And it was at that time, unfortunately, when it became the state religion, that Christianity took a turn. That we went from being a movement to being an institution. Something becomes institutionalized when the things about the organization become more important than the purpose of the organization. Christianity became an institution, hear me, when the things of faith became more important than the life of faith. What is scary about that statement is that that can be true of everybody in this room. Because the institution only followed where the people went first. Folks, you can have a religion. But the question And the difference is, if it's about the institution, if if your religion is about the things of faith, there's a big difference between that and having a life that is lived by faith. And this is not just for the preachers. What's awesome is that so many of the, the greatest Acts of the, uh, uh, recorded in scripture were not by some professional preacher, not by some apostle. What's awesome, the great apostle Paul, upon his conversion, there's just a saint, just a member of a church who loves Jesus and loves the truth of, of the gospel. And he's praying one day and the spirit of God comes down and speaks to him in his prayer time and says, Ananias, go and pray. For this man called Saul. 
And he says, whoa, Lord, hey, I heard about this guy. He's taking Christians by the truckloads. They didn't really have trucks back then, but bear with me. By the cartloads. And he's imprisoning them. And he's, he's even taking some of their lives. Paul was there. Saul was there. His first name was there when, when Stephen is stoned. But see, it was just a member of a church named Ananias who had a connection to God, had his spirit active in his life, and trusted the leading of that spirit to bring him into his mission for that day. He was living by faith. He was living by faith. He was walking by faith. He was trusting in the moment because literally he is going to a man who has the power to not only imprison him, but to take his life. And if he didn't hear from God, but he was just a member of a church. Just point, take your finger, point it at you and say, he was just like me. He was just like me. What's awesome about Ananias, we never hear about him again. What is God saying about you? You see, that church that in Europe today is an empty edifice a monument of the past was birthed by the apostles and those that followed. And what's amazing is that what grew out of a passion that transformed the world became the largest institution of religion in the world today, the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I'm not, if you're Catholic, that's cool. I'm not picking on you today. See, what's awesome is that, that when man, see, when man gets a hold of, of religion, it always is going to go downhill. That's why we've got to keep Jesus at the center, folks. We got to make him the purpose. We got to make him the lifeblood. We've got to make him what we're here about. It's not about coming in here in a good message. It's about having him come. It's about having him come and meet with us. The churches of the Reformation called the people of God back to the faith and practice of the truth found in this book. But see, the Reformers and their movement stopped. Hear me now. Hear me. They stopped at the revelation that set them free. What's amazing is that it was a revelation. It was God's word that had come alive and revealed itself to them. But they stopped at that place. Luther stopped at grace and salvation through faith. The Anabaptists who became the Mennonites and the Baptists they stopped largely at believers' baptism. Calvinists, who became Presbyterians and other groups, stopped at the sovereignty of God. 
Methodists stopped at evangelism and witness to spread the kingdom. And Pentecostals stopped at the baptism of the Spirit. See, but that is religion. And what we are about here is relationship. Because a relationship goes past the revelation. I'll tell you what, when I, when I walked into Chancery Restaurant on 27th Street in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in June of 1994, there was a beautiful red-haired girl there. I had a revelation. I was like, Chateau, that girl is for me. But that only opened the door for relationship. If I stopped at the revelation, I may even get her to put on my ring. But that would be a dysfunctional relationship. It would be a dysfunctional marriage. But see, every day, I jump into new things that we're finding out about each other. She finds out more things about me and I find out more things about her because we are in relationship. I'm here to tell you no matter where you are, no matter what you've experienced in God, honey, don't stop there. That's just the door that got you into the next flow of God. That's just the door that gave you access to things that you didn't have before. But if you will get a hold of what God has for you next through relationship with him, then there's no limit. There's no limit to what he can do. And there's no limit to what he can take you to. There's no limit to what he can say to you. You may be praying in the middle of some place in your life, and he may go say, go pray for that person. And maybe it's you who goes up and lays hands on somebody. Maybe it's you who goes up and prays for the blind, and scales fall from their eyes like like scales off of of an alligator's back just fall off the eyes and he can see again. Maybe it's you who then takes that person and baptizes them in Jesus' name. Maybe it's you who does that because you know what? You may be baptizing the next apostle who's going to change this world. You don't know your part. All I do know is that it requires relationship. N.T. Wright says this in his book, Scripture and the Authority of God. The church in each generation must make fresh, a rejuvenated effort to understand Scripture more fully and to live it more thoroughly. It is not enough to simply have come to church this morning. It is not even enough just to have been born again or just to have been baptized or just to have been filled with the Spirit. The question I have for you today, are you living it more thoroughly than you did yesterday? Because God intends for us to grab hold of his word so that we know who he is and how he moves. Because the God of the Bible is the God of motion. He is the living God. All living things, folks, hear me. Every living thing in this world 
moves. One of the distinguishing characteristics of every living thing is that it has motion, whether you see it or not. I loved the first time I saw the little time-lapse photography of some little green plant. I don't remember what it was. I was some little kid. But you saw, like, the sun rise in the the east, and all of a sudden, the, 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 the leaves are pointed toward the sun. And as the sun goes across the sky, the leaves literally shifted so that it could receive as much of the sunlight as possible. Every living thing moves, and your God is no different. From the first moment we see God, Genesis 1-2, God is moving. And the spirit, excuse me, and the earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was moving. The last time we hear about God in the scriptures, the second to last verse of the Bible, which we read, Revelation 22 and 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. From the beginning to the end, from the second verse in the first chapter of the first book to the last chapter, second to last verse, from there the span is consistent testimony that we have a God who moves. Everywhere God has been, from beginning to end, he is moving. And God's movement is how he gave us the created world. It is how he gave us the Bible. It is how he's moved in miracles and transformed lives. How many of you one day walked into a church and you were listening to some preacher somewhere and God moved? And God moved. Have I got a witness? Have I got anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about? That one day you walked in, you may not have even known why you were here. I've had people tell me in churches I've been in in the past, they're driving down the street and all of a sudden they just felt like a force pull them into the parking lot. And they didn't know why and they shoved it in the parking lot. They go, I'm not going into that church. And before you do it, they're opening up the door. Walking through the back door, sitting on the back row. Saying, I don't even know why I'm here, but suddenly God began to move in their service. Suddenly God began to pull them and move on their lives and ask them to come forward and to step into what maybe they did not know anything about, but they knew this one thing, God was moving. It may not make any sense to you. Honey, it's supernatural. If it was supposed to make sense to you, it'd just be natural. See, but you can have natural religion, but you will lose the super. There's enough religion in the world. I got to tell you that if, if this wasn't real, if this wasn't real, if Jesus hadn't shown up and changed my life, I'd rather just stay at home on Sunday. I'd rather just have a real job. Where I could make as much money and, not, and nobody would ever say anything about it. They'd be like, hey, look, he's blessed. He's making half a million dollars a year. Because I could have done anything. I could have been an attorney. I could have been a scientist. I could have been a lot of things. But see, one day, Jesus, 
came walking into my life. He, he moved and met me where I was and, and asked me to come along for the ride. He said, I'll show you great things. And it's not all been fun. <laughs> it's not all been a party. But it has been the best thing I could have ever hoped for. And my life is way better than if I ever made a half million dollars a year. I've known folks, I've worked for folks who made over million, well over a million dollars a year. I've known and worked for them. I've been to their houses. I've eaten their food. I've been with them in their literally $150,000 Mercedes that has recliners in the back. It's better than most of our houses. But I've seen the emptiness. And, 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 and what we have, folks, is a, a God who, who wants to break in, whether you're a millionaire or whether you're in poverty, whether you are the most educated person in this room or if you barely are literate or not at all. Maybe you can't read, but I know this one thing. God doesn't care where you come from. He only cares about where you're going. He only cares about where he wants to take you. But it takes us stepping in. It takes us deciding that we are going to step into what God wants for our lives. History is literally shaped by the brave souls who dared to venture greatly for the cause of Christ. The Old Testament heroes of, of Abraham and Moses. David facing Goliath says something amazing. As he's about to go out there, and he's being chided by his brothers and those around him for daring to think that he could actually face the giant. David says this incredible thing to his brother. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? You see, history, folks, is just waiting for somebody to step out on the battlefield of life, understanding that there is a cause that is worthy of your life. In the New Testament, we have Peter and John and Paul. Throughout the Acts of Apostles, we, we read these incredible stories, but I want to just give you just a glimpse of the others that are in the twelve. Men we don't read about in scripture, but that history's testimony tells us what they did. Matthew, the tax collector, went to Ethiopia and Persia and planted God's movement there. Bartholomew also went to Ethiopia and then Arabia. James, the lesser, went to Syria. Simon, the zealot, went to Persia. Andrew, the apostle, went to Russia. Philip, the apostle, went to North Africa and Asia Minor, which would be Turkey in that region. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, the one who had to put his, his finger in the nail prints and see him himself, became the widest reaching apostle, traveling all the way down to India. And planting God's churches there. I literally know friends in Columbus, Ohio. He's a, an ER doctor from India 
who traces his spiritual heritage to Thomas, the apostle. What is God waiting for you to do? Because God is still writing the history of his church. And he's going to write about you. The question is whether or not you will be someone who steps into his movement. Or if you just simply just check the box on Sunday. When you come to church, pay your tithes. Been faithful. I'm a Christian. You can settle for that. But you'll lose the super in the natural. You can settle for that. And you can have a nice little life and have all your bills paid and have God bless you in lots of ways. But if you don't fulfill why God made you, if you don't become, become who God created you to be, I will promise you this. You'll lose the super in the life that God wanted to give you. I want you to remember that every great move of God throughout history was birthed in catacombs by a few committed souls and died behind stained glass among the masses. We have a choice here at New Life Church. We have a choice of where we're going to go. We have a choice of who we're going to be. And that choice is one that each of us must make. Because the reality of life is that God is moving here right now. And some of you in this room feel it. And if you don't feel it, that's okay. Just respond. Sometimes it's just about stepping out in faith. Peter didn't know that he was going to walk on water until Jesus said, come. And even then, he had to climb out of the boat. Sometimes you just got to step out in what you know. You may not feel anything. I don't care. I'm not here to preach you feeling good. I'm here to deliver a message that God today, today, wants to move here. And it is your choice. It is your choice. What are you going to do? In just a couple of minutes, the band's leaving. They're going to come up here and they're going to play. The service is coming to an end. But right now, there's a moment in time. There's a moment that God is knocking on the door of the people in this church in your hearts. And he's asking you, what are you going to do? Are you going to just simply have monuments in your past of things God used to do? Or are you going to live in the power and presence of Jesus Christ? Are you going to live in the purpose that God has for you? Are you going to see him bring revival through you? Because hear me, 
What this church becomes known for is dependent on us. And we can be just the, the nice big church on the hill that's got the nice gym and, and the spinning classes and all the cool stuff we do. We can be that church. We can have our nice little social programs. We can take care of people, which we should. And we could just be that. Or we could be the place that, that when something goes wrong in someone's life, they go, hey, hey, you've got something happening. You need to go to that church up on the hill. You need to go to that new life church because God will show up there and he will transform your life. But the choice, my brothers and sisters, is ours. New Life Church can become a monument to God's past move or a movement of God's spirit that transforms this region. The choice is ours. So what do you choose? I had two words from God today from two different souls who didn't talk. The first was from Bev Morrison. She said she came here on Wednesday and drove up. She said there were a bunch of white doves sitting on, our, on, the, on the ridge of our roof, lined up, white doves lined up, tons of them lined up on our church. She didn't think anything of it, she said. And then later that night, the Lord brought it to her, and, and she was reminded. She said, Lord, if that's from you, show me. Show me what that means. And he said nothing. So she forgot about it again and forgot about it Thursday. Was reminded again Friday. Lord, if it's you, if, if you want to tell me something, tell me. Forgot about it. Saturday. And then last night, she said, the Lord led her to a scripture. And it's just, he said to share it with Pastor David. And so I'm going to share it with you. Isaiah 60 in verse 1 says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We have an invitation. We have an invitation to step into his glory because it's rising here. I'm not saying it's not rising other places. I'm not saying God's not moving somewhere else in this region. I just know we have to be part of it. And so today, I come to you and I'm asking you, right now, what are you going to do? Because God is putting in front of you a choice. A choice to sit comfortably in your pew. Or to step into the move of his spirit. The choice is yours. But you have a choice. As we stand...
we're going to sing. But today, today, the Spirit of God is moving here. And He is inviting you to step into His flow. And if you want to step in to what God has for you right now, if you want to become part of this movement of God's Spirit in this area, both through this church and outside of this church, then I want you to come. Not because the preacher told you to, but because it's an act of commitment to God. And I want you to come up here and I want you to just worship Him. And I want you to just simply say, Lord, I commit to riding this out with you. If that's what you want, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. Young, old, if you need help coming up, if you're disabled and you need help coming up, let somebody know, we'll come get you. But it is time. It's time. Come on, don't be shy. If you want to come, come. If you want to come, come. Amen. The band's going to play. Just worship the King. Just worship the King. Just worship the King. In Jesus' name.